Hello, my friends. Welcome to this PMBOK Guide Power Review. We're going to take a look at the PMBOK Guide 6th edition, and we're going to review this behemoth of a document in a very short amount of time. In fact, my estimate is not more than 20 minutes, which means roughly a minute and a half per chapter. So let's dive into chapter one. The summary of chapter one is this is an overview of project management. Chapter one gives you examples of what project management is. There's really no need for you to dwell on stuff that you've already read or what you already know. It gives you a common vocabulary. That's one of the things the PMBOK guide does for you. And it puts you on the same page with a team of individuals that understand the language of the PMBOK guide. When you call a charter a charter, everyone is on the same page. When you say statement of work, it's apples to apples in a world where everyone understands that. And this is one of the reasons why certain firms say everyone should be certified as a PMP because they know that the language will put everyone on the same page. One of the things on page six that's very important is an understanding of what projects do. They take you from your current state to your future state. And all of those activities that we do on a project, that is really what takes us there. It's the activities that we're working on. That takes us from where we are to where we wanna be. In the first chapter, we also have the context for project initiation on page eight. It talks about meeting regulatory, legal, or social requirements, being a reason for authorizing a project to create, improve, or fix products, to implement or change business or technological strategies, and so on. So that one is a good one for you to look at. Get into the meat of chapter one. Big part is understanding the hierarchy of projects, programs, and what operational work is. So we talk about portfolios as being all the work being done by a company or business unit. And under that, we have a breakdown of, we could have programs. Let's say program one, program two, and within these programs, you have projects. And a project that is in a program has to be interrelated with another project. So we talk about interrelated projects. Like in my example here, we can see the portfolio for this organization. We've got three programs. And in each program, we're going to have interrelated projects. That is the keyword. They are interrelated related okay and that's a big part of chapter one understanding the hierarchy portfolios programs and projects also bear in mind that within a portfolio you could have standalone projects you could also have operational work involved as well within programs you could also have believe it or not some operational work but it's understanding the big picture view of how work is viewed in an organization. All right, and that narrative pretty much continues. Uh, we get into the topic of project phases. What are project phases? They're not the same as process groups. And then we get into the topic of process groups on the notorious page 25. And we have, I prefer eating mangoes chilled. We have, I saw six chipmunks quietly roasting coffee, reading poetry stories. And we have the breakdown across the knowledge areas, the 49 processes. 
which you should be familiar with before your exam. Moving on here, going towards the end of chapter one, we also have the breakdown of the business case, a very important document that makes a case for the project. And we also have the benefits management plan. And that pretty much rounds up chapter one. Chapter two is really about the environment in which projects operate. So at a very high level, you've got some influences uh, just abbreviated as that, you know, I mean influences and things that influence a project could be broken into two. You could have enterprise environmental factors and you can have organizational process assets. Within the enterprise environmental factors, we have internal enterprise environmental factors and we have external enterprise environmental factors. Under OPAs, we have processes and procedures and we have the corporate knowledge base. And chapter two is really about understanding what constitutes the environment in terms of the internal environment or the internal enterprise environmental factors, if you will, and the external enterprise environmental factors. And uh, we go into a lot of detail on that because all throughout the PMBOK guide, you see the EEFs and OPAs recurring. So, so speed reading the PEMBOK guide, if I were you, I would take a look at the first line of every paragraph, the middle, and the ending. And I'm going to give you an example of how I would speed read the PEMBOK guide if I had to. So talking about organizational systems, which is on page 42, if I was reading this, I would go straight to projects operate within the constraints imposed by the organization through their structure and governance framework. And then I would go to the middle where I've got these bullets and try and understand what they mean by system factors. A lot of times the bullets in the PMBOK guide, they could be of a lot of relevance. But if you've already been through this once before, and this is your second time of reading it, I would say just go for the things that seem unusual to you or you don't understand just by taking a close look at it. So we have management elements, governance frameworks, and organizational structure types. And to be quite honest, the value on the exam is really what is gonna drive me paying more attention to something. As far as chapter two, understand the language is important, but the value on the exam may not be as much as, for example, getting to where you have the concepts, trends, tailoring, and considerations for Agile, you see. So I would read the top, I would read the middle, I'll pay attention to bullets really quickly, but if I don't see anything of much value, I, I will skip. Then I get into the expansion of the bullets, organizational frameworks, and the governance frameworks, and it talks about governance frameworks, gives examples, rules, policies, procedures, I go to management elements on page 44. I understand what they are at a high level, division of work, authority given to perform the work. It's getting the idea. Now, this is a lot better than not reading the PMBOK guide. There are a lot of people who do not even take a look at it. It's not advisable. In my mind, reading the guide is, like I say, your professional responsibility, but it could also help you. As I've found a lot of students saying, I wish I'd read it. I probably failed because I didn't. There's a lot of stuff I didn't understand, all right? So to each his own anyway. So pretty much chapter two is all about the environment 
in which projects operate. And one of the things we talk about is the organizational structure types, organic or simple, functional, so on and so forth. But to be quite honest, um, I would jump straight to chapter three at this point and get an idea of the role of the project manager. So that is going on to chapter three, the role of the PM. And what is the PM's role? It says the project manager plays a critical role in the leadership. Chapter three is really all about leadership. Project manager's role as a leader, it's unspoken, but it's made quite clear when you go down to page 53 and it tells you at the bottom of the page, research shows that successful project managers consistently and effectively use certain essential skills. Research reveals that the top 2% of project managers as designated by their bosses and team members distinguish themselves by demonstrating superior relationship and communication skills while displaying a positive attitude. See that? And then throughout that whole narrative of being a leader, being a great communicator, it just permeates through chapter three. We have the PMI talent triangle, technical leadership and strategic and business management on page 57. And then we go into leadership skills, dealing with people, stuff that's pretty easy to understand at a, at a high level, especially if you've been in the business world. We go into personality, you've got some descriptions there. Just remember the PMI don't test anything like this wrote on the PMP exam. I know for those taking the CAPM, they might have some things that are wrote, but on the PMP, you don't expect it. It's gonna be more situational. So what you need to understand is the language. Getting to page 68, we have integration and complexity and three dimensions of complexity to help you better understand the topic because when we use the word complexity in the world of agile, it's very significant. It's different from complicated, as you see in the Stacy complexity model in the agile practice guide. So we talk about system behavior, human behavior, and ambiguity itself. And all of these could affect complexity. And that is a big one for me from chapter three. Then we start getting into the knowledge areas. And the knowledge areas, this is where it becomes a lot easier to speed read through the content. So what we're gonna do is actually shift gears and we're gonna take a look at some very simple summaries for all of the knowledge areas, all of them. We're gonna start off, of course, with integration, integration management. Now integration, as you go through any of these knowledge areas, you gotta understand the essence of the knowledge area. So in project integration management, what we're trying to do is coordinate, unify and combine all the pieces of project management. So 4.1 is all about developing the charter that authorizes the project. Very important for you to remember your project charter comes from here. The next process is develop project management plan. This is where you assemble all of the little plans and the baselines to get your project management plan. We have direct and manage project work. This is uh, creating your deliverable in essence. You know, the deliverable is an output of this one. We also have work performance uh, data, which is an output of this, very important as well. Manage project knowledge. We get our lessons learned, register from there. Monitor and control project work. This is where we create our work performance reports. Perform integrated change control. This is where we process change requests. This is where you could also talk about the change control board. And last but not least, close project or phase. 
And this is where we're closing out either a phase in the project or a project as a whole. And that's 4.7. And this is how you should speedily go through the PMBOK guide. Attack each one, 4.1, what is it? What are the outputs? 4.2, what is it? What are the outputs? I'm gonna give you a very quick um, idea of what I would do if I were you. And I wanted to get through this uh, quick, but effectively. So what I would do is ask myself the five W's. What is integration? When do I do it? Is there a particular location that I'm doing this as a project manager? Why should I do it? Who is responsible? Ah, the project manager. But in the world of Agile, it's the team responsible for the integration. And I would also ask myself the age. So this is what you want to ask yourself about every knowledge area, the what, when, where, why, who, how, and understand the responsibilities, the accountabilities, and so on. So what do we get? I also ask this question for every knowledge area. What's in it for me, the within? What's in it for me? So what's in it for you from develop project charter, the project charter, and the assumption log? What's in it for you from develop project management plan, the project management plan? What's in it for you from direct and manage project work? Deliverables, work performance data, the issue log. What's in it for you from manage project knowledge? The lessons learned register. What do you get from monitoring control project work? A work performance report. You see, all of these, understanding what you get uniquely from each one, that is so helpful to you. We also have uh, from uh, performing a great change control, the change log. We also have approved change request. And from closed project or phase, we have the final product service or result transition, and we have the final report. You see, this is how you should be thinking, how you should be processing the information as you go through it. So we have the what, when, where, why, who, how, we have the with them. And last but not least, we have another one. We have this unique acronym that I made up. I often say, what am I doing? What am I using to do what I'm doing? And what am I getting? If you just remember this acronym, D-U-G, doing, using, getting, what am I doing? This is what is the process? What am I using? Which inputs or which tools and techniques are most relevant? And what am I getting? What is my output? This is how I think about every process. You could go a step further. You could actually use this mnemonic. I call it getting good with it. It's a play on words, but it's really, what am I getting? from the process, where is what I'm getting from the process going? For example, I have a project charter. Where is this project charter going? This project charter is gonna become an input to develop project management plan. This project charter is gonna become an input all the way here to close project or phase. And then it brings the question, okay, I know what I'm getting, where is it going? But also the W could be Y. So I kind of make it a W squared and I say, what are you getting? Where is it going and why is it going there? And then what you're using and what you're doing 
becomes even more accentuated. You understand the purpose of everything you do. So if I were you going through any knowledge area, I would always ask these questions. Now you want to take that model and then you want to apply it to the rest of the PEMBOK guide. So in scope, plan scope management, collect requirements, define scope, create WBS, validate scope and control scope. What am I doing in plan scope management? I'm getting a scope management plan and a requirements management plan. What am I getting from collect requirements? A requirements traceability matrix, requirements documentation from defined scope. You see what I'm saying? You get the answers to what you are getting and you understand what you are doing even more. Reading the PMBOK guide processes without really knowing what you're getting and without understanding their relevance is not good. So for example, project scope statement, what exactly is it? What is its relevance? What does it look like? Those are questions you need to ask yourself. What is the scope baseline? Understanding the WBS is part of it. It helps you in getting the big picture. All right, that's chapter five. Chapter six, all about schedule management. We're gonna plan how to manage a schedule, define the activities, sequence them, estimate the activity durations, develop the schedule, and then we're gonna control the schedule. And we get our schedule management plan, activity list, activity attributes, milestone list, project schedule network diagrams, duration estimates, basis of estimates, schedule baseline, project schedule, schedule data, project calendars, and project forecast. See, so as I'm going through, I would obviously amplify this by a few more minutes, go through the list of the outputs, make sure I understand them. Same thing, plan cost management, estimate cost, determine budget, control cost. What am I getting from each one? That's the question you need to ask yourself. And you can go back and pause this recording and just stop it and take a look at some of these slides that I'm flashing on the screen so that you make sure you truly understand the concept, right? One of the games I play with my students is asking them, is this good, bad, or something else? So this is something you could do. Is this good or bad or something else? Is this good or bad or something else? Good or bad or something else? See? All right, moving on to quality management really quick. We have three processes in quality, plan quality management, manage quality and control quality. Get a quality management plan and quality metrics and plan quality management. Don't forget your TED and your quality reports from managed quality and verify deliverables. Now, again, I wanna make it perfectly clear. I'm not saying cram this information, but I'm saying be comfortable with the thought of it and what exactly it does. Let's go on to resource management. So we have plan resource management, estimate activity resources, acquire resources, develop team, manage team, and control resources. And of course, we have our resource management plan and team charter from plan resource management. We have resource requirements. Understand we're talking about effort. We're talking about the nature of resources. We're not talking about duration here. Understand your basis of estimates for the resources, your RBS, and all these other great things I'm showing you on the screen, just get more familiar with them, internalize them. Another big one is physical resource assignments and project team assignments. Remembering that comes from acquire resources. Let's move on to communications. Communications, we have plan communications management, manage communications and monitor communications. We have the communications management plan, a major output from plan communications management. Project communications is unique from managed communications. And that's all manner of project communications, memos, letters, things that you allow to keep. And from monitor communications, we actually don't have anything unique, but it's worth noting 
that WPI and change request come from there. Again, this is not stuff you need to cram or memorize, but you need to understand what these things are. If there's any one of these that you're not sure what it is, you don't understand, I want you to drop me a comment below and say, Phil, this output, I still don't get it. And what I'll do is send you an example of what this could look like. Let's move into risk. Risk management has seven processes. Plan risk management, identify risks, perform qualitative risk analysis, perform quantitative risk analysis, plan risk responses, implement risk responses, and monitor risk. And what we get from the first and second pretty much sustains this knowledge area. It's risk management plan from plan risk management. And then we have the risk register and risk report from identify risks. And that's pretty much it. Everything else you get is an update. It's all updates, project documents, updates. That is all you get from qualitative risk analysis down because we keep updating the risk register, the risk report. And of course we have the project management plan updates. I don't show those here, but you get the idea. Another big one in risk is understanding the five strategies for negative risk or threats and those for positive risk opportunities. Moving on to chapter 12, where we have procurement management. Very straightforward. We have the plan procurement management process, conduct procurements, and control procurements. We get seven unique outputs from plan procurement management. I mean, this is one of the biggest uh, ever collections of unique outputs, project management plan, a procurement management plan, I beg your pardon, procurement statement of work, procurement strategy, bid documents, independent cost estimates, make or buy decisions and source selection criteria. The goal again is not to cram these, right? We're not machines, but we should have an understanding. Procurement management plan versus procurement statement of work versus procurement strategy at a very high level, for example, a procurement management plan guides how you carry out procurements from end to end. A procurement statement of work is what exactly you are looking for as a buyer. It's usually attached to a request for quotation, an RFP or an RFI and things like that. Procurement strategy is really about your delivery method. It's really about are you using build, own, operate, transfer? Are you using a design build? Are you using a design bid build? And in areas of services, do we allow uh, a middleman, a middle person between the contractor and the ultimate customer? Things like that. They're all talked about in the PMBOK guide. And these are things you should look out for. Just have a general understanding of what these are. See, agreements, things such as contracts, MOUs, all those kind of things. Selected sellers, that's an output of conduct procurements as well. And uh, control procurements, believe it or not, closed procurements is an output and work performance information. All right, let's move on to a final one. I don't think we did too bad, maybe shy of, uh, of 30 minutes here. Uh, let's take a look at project stakeholder management. So we got four things. We identify stakeholders, plan stakeholder engagement. We manage stakeholder engagement and we monitor stakeholder engagement. Now, what do we get out of these? From identify stakeholders, we've got a stakeholder register. What do we get from plan stakeholder engagement? Stakeholder engagement plan. What we get out of manage stakeholder engagement and monitor stakeholder engagement that are unique? Nothing. And that means, my friends, 
we are done with our really manic review. It was a manic review of as much as we could from the PMBOK guide. There are a few things I want to call out for you to go back and take a look at. One of them is WPD becoming WPI and becoming WPR. Just understand what exactly is happening here. We get work performance data from director managed project work. It goes to all of these monitoring and controlling processes outside of integration. Those in turn gave work performance information to monitor and control project work. And that yields a work performance report that goes to these four at the bottom, performing great change control, manage team, manage communications, and monitor risks. Just understand that. Something else I would recommend you understand is a change request sequence, how things should flow, right? You could ask for a change request verbally as a customer, then you're asked to put it in formal writing, then it gets reviewed, follows all these steps, just go through, pause the recording and take a look at the flow. It's quite self-explanatory. So understand that flow. If you haven't already watched my video on the PMBOK guide mainline, please do it because this shows you 20% of the PMBOK guide for an 80% payoff. I'm telling you, if you understand this mainline and how things flow, it will be a lot easier. So just Google PMBOK guide mainline, Look for my most recent video with the main line. You'll see Mr. Bean eating clams or something in that video. Watch it, understand the flow. It is going to help you for your exam, especially for those of you who are in crunch time and you cannot read the whole thing. Just understanding this, the thinking behind this main line is going to help you. All right, we are almost done. One more thing, understand the flow of quality management. Understand that when you get a deliverable, it has to be checked, but understand you are in managed quality in the background, checking the process, at least you should be. Then your deliverable gets checked in control quality. If it passes the test, we call it a verified deliverable. It goes to validate scope for review. If it's accepted by the customer, we call it an accepted deliverable. That goes to close project or phase. And from there, we get a final transition of that product service or result. Okay, I hope that makes absolute sense for you. And I really hope that this is going to spur you to reading the guide, speed read it. You know, if you say, Phil, I just don't have the time to read the whole thing and my exam is in a couple of days. Well, I've given you a recipe, right? For you to be able to go in there, speed read it, speed read it. It's better than nothing. For those of you that have more time, I want to invite you to go on down to our website. It's called praiseon.com. Go to praiseon.com. Take a look at some of the offerings that we have available. Some of these are bound to help you. Make sure you hit the view all courses and you'll be able to see all manner of courses we have available. Some of these are bound to help someone who's in crunch time getting ready for the exam. Okay. I wish you all the very best. Drop me a comment below. Don't forget to hit like, subscribe, share with your friends. Bye for now.